So, Callum. Yes. Uh, do you know what Romeo and Juliet's least favourite fruit is? Um, no. Don't think so. It's cantaloupe. Because, you know, um, uh. they couldn't elope. And when they tried, <laughs> they both ended up dead. <laughs> yeah, sad story. Cabliff. Wait, I need to sound more disappointed. <laughs> no, damn right. <laughs> I give up. Oh, never mind. <laughs> failure. Abject failure. Anyway, so uh, welcome to the Infrarous Podcast. My name is Claire. I am Callum. Uh, and the basic premise of this show is that we start off by talking nonsense to get it out of our system. We Lord, drink we a drink it. of the week. Yeah, we do. Oh my god, we're filled with nonsense. Oh yeah. It's like 90% of what I'm made of. Um, <laughs> no, we drink a drink of the week. Sometimes it's alcoholic, sometimes it's not. And then we discuss the topic of the week. Uh, our drink for this week is Corsair Red Absinthe. Ooh. Ooh. Now, what happened to, to your drink, Claire? left my drink at my in-laws house because I went up to my in-laws house because they were away for the weekend uh, and they needed somebody to watch their three dogs um, so I went up for Thursday, Friday and Saturday. We are recording this late. Um, I wouldn't normally give people a peek behind the scenes but for the purposes of this story um, yeah so we were meant to record last week uh, and it didn't happen because Callum had exciting preparations for his uncle's wedding um but we ended up not doing it but i brought my absinthe up to my in-laws house so that i could drink it while we recorded last week we didn't record last week uh and i accidentally left my absinthe so i am absinthless you could say absinthe the absinthe is absinthe absinthe (laughs) makes the fart go honda um what was that i said about nonsense (laughs) um Um, no yeah uh so what are we talking about this week baz lerman films Uh, specifically specifically because i haven't watched the other two specifically we're talking about baz lerman's red curtain trilogy Mm. um which i will get into later when we're actually talking about the topic um so calm taste your absinthe and tell me I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll describe it to you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's... Do you know what? <laughs> it smells like mouthwash. <laughs> it genuinely smells like like Listerine or something. Oh, dear. Um, That's not a good start. It's not a good start. Um, I am just drinking this straight out of the drinks by the dram bottle, so there is no grace here. Oh, oh, that is um, oh, <laughs> that is uh, that is something. Okay. That is that is very that is that is warm. That is spicy. That is that is um, it just sort of evaporated to be honest in my mouth. Um, it's pretty good. It's like fifty three percent or something. Oh. Yeah, quite sure. It doesn't taste like Listerine, that's for sure. Good, good. I was Ooh. worried for a second because I'm gonna have to drink this like myself. <laughs> it's still, it's still going in my mouth. Things are happening. Okay. This is this is a okay. lingering tea. We'll see. We'll see what you think at the end of the episode. Clinical. 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 <laughs> anyway, Callum, how's your week been? Um. Well, firstly, my my week in a bit's been it's had its ups, it's had its downs. Um, I don't know how people run businesses and have lives. It's sacrifice. It's wow. Sacrifice. Um, and this week's really kind of 
really hit it with the oh my god i actually can't do anything because all i'm thinking about is work um which is fine because it's temporary and it's great and i am enjoying being the the boss man i am still the boss man center manager center manager uh, for the time being. Anytime I say that, I just imagine like a centaur wearing a suit. <laughs> oh dear. Um. So yeah. Uh. So I had um the audacity to the audacity. The od- I had the audacity to take uh Thursday to Sun. Well, I don't work Sundays anyway. So Thursday to Saturday off. Um, for my uncle's wedding, which was great. Um, more on that in a second. Um, but come Monday morning, oh, um, I was going to be Plumped. like running sessions and stuff, but I ended up um getting one of my colleagues to run all the sessions so I could just lock myself in the office <laughs> and answer emails. I know that feeling. The pile um, up was bad. I only work three days a week, uh, and by the time because I work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Which is great. You know, I get like a four-day weekend. I can spend it with my kids. Um, and, it, you know, means I'm on top of my housework and all of that stuff gets done. Mm. But uh, by the time Monday comes around, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> there was so much to do. And it's even worse, like, see, if I take a week off work because I don't just take a week off. I take like 11 days off at a time because... I have to because I take three days off and then I get the surrounding days off. So yeah, all oh, right, of course. If yeah, I yeah. take it, yeah, if I get a week off work, it's like it's great. I get so much time, but the Monday I come back is always like, oh dear God, why? Do you? It's, um, it's fine. Do you sort of like? Um, obviously, I I have no idea how your job works whatsoever. Um, but do you kind of, is there someone else who kind of like works on the same sort of things that you're working on or is it yes. just your... Um, I have, I have uh, a portfolio of things that are mine, um, but I leave notes. Um, right. And it means that people can, if something urgent comes through, they can pick it up uh, because I've written down exactly what needs done for, for that thing. Um, but... Yeah, you still come back and there's tons of stuff because mm-hmm. a lot of it's like specialized. A lot, a lot of the things that we do is like clients, and that client might have like special things that need done. And if you're the only person that does that, other people might not know the specifics um, of that. And you can leave as detailed notes as, as you want, but. There are certain things that people just aren't going to pick up from what you've written, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. So there's always a pile of stuff waiting for you when you come home. No. Home? <laughs> well, I work from home now. so Yeah. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, my home is my work. My work is my home and my home is my work. Um, yeah, but other than that, yeah, the wedding. The wedding was great. Um, I was saying to you earlier, it, the reception was Star Wars themed. And I was I was sat on Tatooine. That was my table. Tatooine. Um, Oh, so all the tables were named after planets. They're all named after planets. It was brilliant. Um, The top table was the Death Star. (laughs) Yes. Um, they had to represent the go the Empire. (laughs) Come on, the Empire. So um, I can't remember her name, but the lady who made the cake. Um, oh, I'm really annoyed I can't remember her name because she was really good but there was a wee uh, Millennium Falcon on the side of the cake Oh! and the wedding toppers were two um, AT-80s with a groom like a top hat and a veil that's amazing that's <laughs> actually like incredible you need to send me pictures Callum uh, I will do yeah Um, and yeah, it was just, you know, it was just nice. It was nice to be at a place that was full of people. Mm, it was yeah. so, we- it felt really weird to start with because I was like, oh my goodness, there's loads of people about. Um, and yeah, it was it was awesome. It was just great. Mm. And instead of table wine, we had uh, table cocktails instead, which was... Oh, 
that's that's just legendary so good it was so good mad mad respect to your uncle that's like a great wedding yeah a it was wedding. it was a really good wedding and it was nice to see everyone so um i haven't seen like that side of the family hasn't been together for yeah silly amount it's probably the last wedding <laughs> yeah like your your um, aunt and your it'd have been uncle james your other wedding, uncle yeah um which is a long time ago so it it's was nice a long to, time ago it's nice to see everybody um yeah it's great it's always good how was your week what did you get up to not very much being honest um i'm trying to remember now what did i do last week i dogs i was dog sitting <laughs> that's pretty much it but um yeah so my in-laws have been basically watching my oldest son for three days a week during the summer Aww. um which is like it's lovely of them you know and he loves them and they love him but it's still a lot of work you mm -hmm. know so they wanted to go a weekend away and they were kind of struggling to find like dog care because they've got three dogs um and two of them are older and they're, you know they're doing fine they're not like decrepit or whatever but you know they're just getting to that yes i'm a senior citizen let me just sleep on the couch all day um and they're they're on like a lot of different medications so they were they were kind of looking at like what can we do for people watching the dogs but they ended up asking me and my partner to go up with the kids for the mm -hmm. weekend while they were out of the house. Um, and it was really nice, actually. Like, it's it's a lovely house and they've got a really nice view of the Clyde because they're up on a hill. Um, and it's not far from my house, but it kind of felt like we were going away for like a weekend away. You know that way where you'd like maybe you'd rent like a self catering cottage or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. felt a bit like that, except it was okay. my in laws' house. It's very strange, and there were dogs there, <laughs> and I looked after the dogs. But it was great because the dogs are so good; they are so so good. Um, Bailey, that like they're all brothers and sisters as well. Like the older two are from like one litter, and then Copper, the youngest one, she's from like a, a separate litter, but they're the same mum. I think same mum dog. Oh, uh, yeah. So th they're all like really good pals with each other. They're just so good natured. Three chocolate labs. Um, oh, I want I a dog. So I was just good. I know I want a dog too. I actually really missed the dogs when I left. Because oh. <laughs> like, uh, and <laughs> they got knackered out as well because um, my my eldest son just runs about and rolls about with them. Um, and with the youngest there as well, like he started walking recently oh so, yeah he's been like he doesn't walk all the time because crawl he still crawls really really fast he can't walk right. as fast as he crawls so if he wants something really quick he just gets down and crawls <laughs> <laughs> but he can walk um so he was running ring rings around the dogs as well and they were loving it and the kids were it was just it was just nice honestly um and it was nice to get away honestly like it was just nice to get away from my house because my work is at my house now. Yeah. Um, and it was nice to um, also get away from the computer. I love my computer so much, as you will find out next week. No. Yes. Yes, next, next week. week. Um, but, you know, it was nice to just switch off because I couldn't bring my entire PC up with me. So I just had a couple of nights where I just sat and chilled. You know, I didn't really do anything, and it was great. <laughs> um, oh, sometimes that's then, what you need, just to just to stop. Yeah, I, it was great. It was just really nice. The other thing is there's no streetlights up there, so you'll be used to this. Um, but there's no streetlights, so at night time, if you have to go up to go to the toilet or whatever, pitch black. Like... Oh, pitch yeah. black you cannot see anything and i'm not used to that because i stay in a street with street lights you know uh and it, it, that's another reason why your street lights like not going go holiday no they don't they're on all night um whoa yeah um but like it that's another reason why it felt like being on holiday because we go up to the island quite a lot on holiday and a lot of the places we stay up there don't have streetlights. So it's just pitch black at night time. 
<laughs> and it's amazing because if you go outside, you can see all of the stars. It's so good. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just I just find it really refreshing, and I mean that was great. And then <laughs> I went to see my cousin. I went to see Elena. Oh yeah, because uh, she she hasn't been well. Oh um, no. So I went to give her a cake to say get well soon. I went to see uh, our other cousin Stephen. I went to see his new flat. Oh, lovely. Um, it's just filled with stuff. It's, <laughs> they've mm. not like unpacked because they got COVID, obviously. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. Which, again, I'm sure we will discuss next week because special guest is Stephen next week. Yay. Um, and so, look. yeah. So, yeah. So, they, they haven't unpacked anything. Um, he doesn't have COVID anymore, by the way. Recording orders a bit out. Yeah, but, um... Um, more more behind the <laughs> scenes, I guess. Yeah, yeah, We recorded yeah. last uh, next week's episode. Before this. A wee bit so, before this, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, so, don't he doesn't don't, have COVID anymore. Don't Spoilers. worry about it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, you know, they've not really had a chance to unpack or anything yet. <laughs> um, so that was fine. Uh, and then on Sunday... We did more stuff on Sunday. Oh, we went to see my brother's new flat, which used to be my flat. That's weird, uh, because I stayed in that flat. That was my flat when I moved out, and he's moving out now, and he's moving into the same flat that I lived in. So it's we went to see him and help him. Yes, it's a great flat. It is. It's a fantastic little place. I love it so much. And it's nice to see it getting used. Mm-hmm. Um, for somebody moving out again, it's just... And it means I get to visit which is nice. I mean, how many people get to go and visit their, like that the house they moved out into like that? Um, not very often. So, yeah, that was cool. And then I was I was off work yesterday, but because yesterday was Monday. But um, Stuart got sick, and we had all these plans uh, because we've got like a wardrobe that we need to build and. I'm going to go a nice walk because the kids weren't going to be here. Um, but that didn't work out because Stuart got sick. Oh. So, yeah, that's, that's been my week. It hasn't been very eventful at all. I feel like I've just rambled on about nothing for ages, but yeah. That's what the people come here for. The rambles. The, the ramblings. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The mad ravings of a uh, mad woman. Before we continue, the more I drink this, the more mouthwashy it feels. Oh, my mouth Callum. tastes really fresh. Well, you've got to try new things. I don't know if you're meant to mix it with something. I've no idea. Um, all I know is it's it's pretty good, and then it just stays there. And it's do you know when you like eat something and you go, oh, that was really good, and then like mm. ten minutes later you're still tasting it and you're going, hmm. it was really good, but I'm is I'm it done good with it. Now? Where's my sorbet? Yeah. Um, but yes, as 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 I said earlier, um, uh, you know, I don't understand how people can run a business and have time to do anything. Um, which means I did not do my homework. I, I did my homework. I I've seen Moulin Rouge, and that's it. <laughs> so I figured what you can do is try and persuade me to watch. Not only not only the, the trilogy, but all Baz Luhrmann. Well, I haven't seen the other two, so <laughs> I can't speak for... Right, okay, so I'll explain. So the Red Curtain, the Red Curtain trilogy is Baz Luhrmann's first three films. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first film was in the 90s, and that was Strictly Ballroom. Um, and then his second film was Romeo plus Juliet. It's Romeo mm-hmm. and Juliet. Um... And then his third film was Moulin Rouge. And that's known as the Red Curtain Trilogy because they're all kind of theatric-based. So it's all stuff that would happen on stage. So Strictly Ballroom's about dance. Um, Romeo and Juliet's obviously a play. And Moulin Rouge is like a... Obviously, it's about the Moulin Rouge, which is like a cabaret. Um, And in the style of a cabaret, it's obviously got lots of different musical numbers. Um... So yeah, that that's what the the Red Curtain trilogy is. 
Um, the other two films that I haven't seen that Baz Luhrmann's done are Gatsby, which is obviously The Great Gatsby, and Australia, which is a film about Australia, I guess. I know it has, I think it has Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman in it, but I haven't okay. seen it, so. No. Um, so I I'll, I'll, I'll kind of start off with what we know, which is Moulin Rouge. Yes. Um, it's a good place to start. Yeah. Um, what's, what, what are your takeaways from Moulin Rouge? Because I know you watched it for the first time fairly recently. No, I didn't watch it for the first time recently. Uh, I, watched, I watched it years ago and then hadn't watched mm. it for um, a really long time. A really yeah. long time, then rewatched it. And I think upon rewatching it, the first time I watched it when I was, it must have been like 14 or 15 or something. Um, I, as it started and then I didn't like it. And then halfway through the movie, I was really into it. And I just had no reason, no, no understanding as to why. And then um, I made Shannon watch it because she hadn't seen it. And I said it was, it was good. And then I did that thing of starting it and then it started and I went, oh, is it good? I can't remember now. I'm not sure. And then it like started going. I was like, oh, yes, I remember. It's really good. Uh, um, And I think... The biggest takeaway, the thing that I think the thing, the reason why I liked it so much when I was younger and why I like it so much now is that everything about it seems, it's going to sound really weird, but everything about it seems very choreographed Um, from like the cinematography and everyone's like movements kind of just match. It's kind of as if you're watching a play. Yes, exactly. Like, like you're watching a, a theatrical performance. That's how it feels to me. Um, um and like the cat, the camera is an actor. It's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. It's not just it's not just the the thing that we used to view it. It is an actual. I don't want to say persona or personality, but it yeah. feels that way. That it's like this is actually an integral part of the story in it. Um, I don't know. There's something about what? that marriage of technical and theatrics that I really yeah. liked. The thing is, like, when Moulin Rouge first came out, I think it was 2001 or 2002, maybe 2003, I don't know, early 2000, um, it was on in the cinema. And my friend was like, oh, come to the cinema and watch Moulin Rouge with me. And I was like 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, mom, my friend wants to go to the cinema to see Moulin Rouge. And my mom was like, you're not going to see Moulin Rouge. That's that's about prostitutes or whatever. <laughs> so I wasn't allowed to go and see it. And I didn't actually see it until much, much later when I was like 16. Uh, and I was in youth theatre. And what happened was my youth theatre was like, they used to do summer things where you, you would sign up. We discussed this like when we discussed theatre like last time, last season. Um, but they used to put on these fests, so you'd go for a week and you'd rehearse a, a thing and you'd put on a show at the end of the week. Um, but they had announced they were doing uh, Moulin Rouge as one of these things, and I was like, oh, I want to be in that. Um, so I watched it before I did that so that I could, you know, get, get my head around what the story was and yeah, what yeah. the songs were like, um, and I loved it. I just... Young theatre kid... Right into like my kind of I loved I love tragedy, right? Okay. I'm just putting that out there. I love anything that will break my heart and make me cry, right? <laughs> I'm a sucker for it. And Moulin Rouge is one of those stories. Like it starts off and it goes, This story is about love. The woman I love is dead. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's it's That's just it so on the nose. It's but brilliant. um I what I love about it is that it takes a lot of songs that I really don't care about. I know that's an awful thing to say, but a lot, a lot of like pop music that I just, I, yeah. I didn't care about. And I have a lot more respect for pop music these days. Back then I was this little uh, theater goth kid. So I listened to show tunes and metal <laughs> and rock music. And that was it. Uh, and pop music was for losers. Yeah. Um, I mean, pop music until, sucks, until, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it was such a stupid way to be because, um, show tunes and i loved high school musical you know it's like how can you say that pop music is garbage 
when you love High School Musical, which the music isn't bad, but it's not, <laughs> not great. Good. <laughs> so yeah, um, so it, it shed a new light on a lot of these songs, and I think that was kind of the start of me kind of opening my mind up to just because it's popular doesn't mean it's bad. And in fact, it is popular for a reason, you know? Um, I will say that I hate the song Roxanne by the police. But the tango Roxanne it's in so Rouge good. is probably the highlight of the entire film for me. Um, I love that. The vocal performance alone oh. is oh. incredible. Feel it. It's just and it's so well performed. Um, I, what I love about it as well is like it isn't like a lot of other films that you go to see in the cinema. It, it isn't afraid to do weird stuff, and it isn't afraid to make the symbolism in your face. Like I had examples, but I've forgotten them all. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch it, you'll get what I mean. Like things happen on screen. Like there's a lot of visual foreshadowing, and there's a lot of like. For example, the um are just like blatant this is called this because of this, but they're not going out of their way to say it. So like the the building that uh Christian um lives in with the weird guys, the, the mm. Bohemians. Um I think the the word on it is Lamour, which is I can't speak French, so I said that probably really badly. But it's like um, you know, my lover, whatever. Um, and obviously the entire thing is about love. Um, and it's just like big, stupid, blatant things like yeah, that. Yeah, it's. I think it's one of those things where it it not only is like very on the nose with everything, but it just doesn't hide behind its deeper meanings. And no, it's, it's just in your face. It's, it's really unapologetically there. I have seen people like criticize it for being hard to follow. Because it is really snappy. It's like, um, it just goes from one thing to the other, to the other, to the, like. Yes. You know, uh, um, like, and I think that's why at the start of it is kind of jarring because you have the whole Christians in his room being sad and then. Uh, and then bam, it, it, the movie just, just goes. It, it grows just legs goes. and runs. And then, and then, yeah, and then he's singing The Hills Are Alive with the sound of music. And then all of a sudden, it's you're in the Moulin Rouge. And then uh, Satine is there. And then, you know, and then they're singing like uh, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. And then he's in there. And then the Elephant Love Medley happens. Like, I don't know. It's just bam, 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 you know. And it just hits you in the face with it. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why it works because. It doesn't really give you a chance to catch your breath. There's no slow part of the film. No, there isn't. Although what I will say is I really don't like the um, Like a Virgin sequence. I don't know if that's just because I really do not like the Duke. I know you're not meant to like the Duke. I know that's how it is, but I was just like, get him off the screen. Boring. Yeah. Get him away. Um, it's I the think... weakest part of the film, I think. I, I get why it's, why it's there. Um, and... Oh, for sure. And it is much better than the original Like a Virgin because I hate that song. Oh, it's such a garbage song. Um, but it's... I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I'm not a... Well, obviously not a huge fan of the Duke. But, like, even... Like, he's... Like, his entire character is... Like, explained and shown in, like, a second. And you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's disgusting, kind of rich person great and oh, then he's yeah. still there yeah, whereas no the rest of the film it was like bam this is this person okay great okay now this is this person and like, okay great and it's keeping that like snappy super thingy pace yeah. and then that scene it does i was gonna say go on it's really short but <laughs> it still it goes on like comparatively goes on. you're just like oh hurry up yeah i get it um, but I suppose, and I know same... it ties into the plot as well because it's it's there because obviously, uh, Zidler's trying to convince the Duke that Satine is in love with him after all. And don't worry, um, but like, I think one thing I noticed when I watched it again recently was that, you know, you love all these characters. It's all bright, colorful, like people, 
But a lot of them aren't very good people. Like, particularly Harold Zidler, because he's running the Moulin Rouge and using these women to get what he wants. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's all, you know, fairly exploitative (laughs) when you think about it. Um, Yeah, no, but it's it's a good film. I wouldn't say it's the best film ever. Um, and I definitely don't think out of the three Baz Luhrmann films I have seen that it's the best. Ooh. Um, so, having discussed Moulin Rouge, which is the middle film in, in this trilogy. No, it's the last, last film. film. Should we work back? Let's or work or in reverse order, shall we? Okay, okay. So, the film that came out before that is my favourite Baz Luhrmann film, which is Romeo and Juliet. Um, and I don't need to worry about spoilers because... Everyone knows. You know the story of Romeo and Juliet. Um, but it's great. It's just great. It has very young versions of a lot of big name actors. Yeah. It's kind of like a who's who. Because uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is in it. He's so young um, as well. It's Claire Danes is in it and she is the best Juliet. She is just so young and like... I don't know. She has this like innocent beauty about her which is exactly what Juliet is supposed to be um but so to convince you to watch it the Shakespearean language remains yeah it's set in America um and it still has elements of as we were saying like Moulin Rouge's punchy punchy editing Uh um and and it isn't afraid to do dumb stuff that really works um so it's a modern day America. It's it's got the Montagues and the Capulets, and they're these two big families um in this part, and they they keep having street brawls. Uh, and the first detail that I will share with you that as I'm saying, it's not afraid to do dumb stuff that works and is actually genius. Um so in the the play, it'll say things like, Oh, so uh Benfolio draws his sword. They have guns, right? but it shows you the details on the guns. And, like, if the play has said, oh, he draws his sword, the gun will have, like, an inscription that says sword on it. Mm -hmm. And then, like, if it says, oh, such and such draws a dagger, and it shows you his gun, and it says dagger on it, it's, it's hard to explain, but it really works. And you don't even question the fact that they're speaking in Shakespearean language at all. It's all um, thou dust and like it's it's you just don't question it. It is what it is, and it rolls really well. And the editing, as I said, is then punchy, and it does this thing where you're kind of breathless from the start of it because they have this street brawl at a petrol station, and the petrol station goes up in flames, and you get the like um because Dib- Tibbles there and. Basically, every single actor in it has masses of presence, masses of presence, and you feel like the the tension between the Montagues and the Capulets so well. Uh-huh. Um, and then you come off of that, and and there's a whole scene where Romeo takes ecstasy, I think, <laughs> <laughs> and they go to the the party at the Capulets' house where he meets Juliet. But they do this thing where it's like punchy, 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 punchy. And then you get to the moment where they meet. And it's like uh, Des- Desiree, is that her name? Um, she sings a song called I'm Kissing You. Um, and the whole thing just slows down. Um, and And it's just edited in such a way where you can almost feel them falling in love with each other just from looking. And there's that famous bit in the film where the first time he sees her, he's on one side of this fish tank and she's on the other. Uh, And they catch each other's eyes. And it's almost like they're having this entire interaction without speaking to each other and this music's playing. Uh, And it's just so beautifully done. It's like... And I think it's really sold on the basis that the actors playing the characters are so good. Like, the performances are incredible. Um, One last thing I'll say about this uh, is that um, Miriam Margulies plays the nurse 
and I don't know if you know who Marion Margulies is. Um, the name is Isabel. Hold on. She plays uh, Professor Sprout in the Harry Potter films. All right. I, and oh. if you if you know anything about her as an actress, she is insane. She has like such acting jobs, but she's also like if you see her in interviews, she is not afraid to say what she thinks. She just tells these wild stories, and like I love her so much, like as a person. So her being in this film, I'm just like I'm a big fan of hers anyway. Oh wow, she's been I loads. Think she steals the show honestly she is the perfect choice for the nurse um and that's not even a character that you even think of too much when you think about romeo and juliet but i think she's my favorite <laughs> performance in the whole film she's incredibly oh. good um you and she's just a great actress they're, they're all good um it's just such a great film and again they have that sort of like um symbolism and imagery so like there's there's a beach that they're on all the time. A lot of action takes place on this beach. Um, but there's a big destroyed stage on the beach. And it's not like nobody goes, Oh look, there's a big destroyed stage. Oh <laughs> god. Really obviously... Over there, there's a stage that has been yonder destroyed stage. upon yon <laughs> yes. beach. Yeah. So um but but a lot of things happen on that stage and it's just I don't know, there's something about the way it's edited, the performances are so good. And as I said, you just don't even question the fact that these like American guys are talking to each other in Shakespearean English, like at all. Um, it's just it's a beautiful film. Um I it, just love it. Is it um like I I'm imagining it is. I've I have seen it, like I've seen it again years and years ago. I just don't remember it whatsoever because it's been so long since I've seen it. Um, but is it one of those things where, again, it's that kind of marriage between, like, performance and, like, the, the technical aspect, the editing, the camera work, the thingy, um, combining Wait, to make that, that it, it story? Feels, or? It, yeah, I would say yeah, but it feels different from Moulin Rouge. It's not the same kind of film it's got more of a action movie feel less of a spectacle more of it feels I, i'm trying to explain this because it is the story story of romeo and juliet you've got the shakespearean english you've got the the staging and as you're saying the way that the camera acts and some of the editing is very much done in a specific way um there's a lot of stuff and it like uh, when they're in the church, there's these like light up crosses in the background. And what what's weird to me is that there's a lot of things in it. Like there's a big giant messed up stage in the middle of a beach. Mm -hmm. Like, but you don't question it when you're watching the film. It's like you just completely suspend any disbelief. You're just in it. If that makes sense. It, it's just good. It's just really really good. Um, but I would say that it's it is kind of like Moulin Rouge in that sense. Like what you're saying about the camera work, yeah, but in a different way. Okay, so sense. it's more the um, I guess, I guess the same uh, to to Moulin Rouge is that each like each shot and each cut and each thingy is very deliberate. Um, mm -hmm. I I, I, yeah, I yeah, know yeah. people say that for every movie ever, you know, oh, well all the cuts are deliberate, blah 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 blah. Yeah, but no, it's like everything has got like. To like the the like every mm. individual splice has been like yeah, contemplated. Sure. Thingy is contributing to the to the the package. Um, I, I guess. would highly recommend Baz Luhrmann's uh, Romeo and Juliet. It's it's just good, man. It's like <laughs> oh, and I think as well. Again, the, the first time I saw that film, I was a a youth theater teenager, and I love a tragedy. Funnily enough, I don't even like Romeo and Juliet. I'm saying a lot, oh, I love a tragedy. Othello's far more up my street if we're talking like uh -huh. Shakespeare. But um, yeah, Romeo and Juliet just doesn't, I love tons of the adaptations of it for like the modern audience. Like West Side Story's a masterpiece. Oh, yeah. But I feel like in general, Romeo and Juliet is really boring. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Two really young idiots fell in love and their circumstances surrounding them made it not work. 
but they were also really stupid. Like, it didn't have to be that way. Um, bit of communication, guys. And <laughs> that's that you should take that home for every relationship. Just talk. Yeah, just talk. Just say what you think. Say what you feel. Most problems can be solved through communication. Yeah. I actually, I, um, I just remembered that um, the reason I watched um, Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann film, was to um, get used to Shakespearean like language, like to mm. speak it, because we were going to put on, uh, I think it was when we were putting on Midsummer Night's Dream, mm. and reading it just on a sheet, um, my brain was like, ah. Whereas no, I, I think could, like, hearing it does like because that that was how it worked for me because obviously you do Shakespeare in English, and and school, and they used to make us read it out. They didn't used to make us read like novels out in my class in school, but when we did Shakespearean plays, they would make the class like take turns to read it out. Uh-huh. People in the class had to play different characters, um, but I don't think I would have gotten as into it if I hadn't had that experience. Yeah, I, I think, think if you go to see it in the theater. It is really easy to follow, and I think it's really strange because that's not language that we're used to. But I don't know. I think the cadence of of it, though, like it's because if you just if you read it, it's really like if you just read it flat, like like I'm speaking just now or attempting Mm. to speak just now. Um, the it doesn't flow whatsoever. It has no flow. Whereas you know we both speak English, it has its natural flows. We have our natural pauses and stuff like that. It's when you hear it with its with its um, cadences and with its pauses and with its like um, the the way it flows, then you're like, oh, okay, no, it does make sense. Yeah, yeah, it's easy yeah. to follow because you get locked into the As into I the said, system. It's like you don't even like after a couple minutes watching the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet, you don't even question that that's how they're mm-hmm. speaking. They just speak that way. Um, another thing, the last thing I'll say about it, my favorite thing is at the very start of the film it starts with like a tv set in the middle of a black screen so there's a huge black screen and a small like tv set um and it's the opening speech it turns on and there's a newsreader um and she is reading the opening speech from romeo and juliet with the same cadence and the same intonation as if it was a news report and it's so good it's like i don't know it's just really impressive (laughs) um and it's the same with the closing speech so it starts with this newsreader on the tv doing and that's what i'm saying about like it's similar to moulin rouge in that it's not afraid to do dumb stuff but it works yeah like I i think that confidence to do it and the fact that it fits with the rest of the film um and and the symbolism as well because like with with them the first time that they meet romeo's dressed in like the night armor because it's like a masquerade ball a costume party uh, and juliet's dressed as an angel um it's just it's it's just good i love it um but to move on backwards in time into the 90s into the 90s uh, that's where we belong yeah this is baz Luhrmann's first film well, I don't know if it was the first film he ever made, but the first film that was like released to a large audience yes. um, was Strictly Ballroom. Which I've not uh, seen at all. Like, not even. I hadn't way seen back. it until like. Ooh, last week, I think. Um, and I wasn't sure what to expect. It's not like Romeo and Juliet, and it's not like Moulin Rouge. Okay. It doesn't have. Big, huge names that you would instantly go, oh, that person, you know? Uh, because I think the budget was like seven million or something. It oh, okay. Was quite, quite a low budget film. Um, and it, it's <laughs> the the only thing I could think after I watched it was, um, this is like a decent version of High School Musical, except without the musical and the high school. so basically it's about this boy called scott hastings who his parents were champion ballroom dancers right okay and their dream for him and his dream since he was a child is to win um the pan pacifics which is like the pan pacific ballroom dance competition okay 
specifically the Latin dancing. Right. Um, now, Scott Hastings wants to dance his own way. Scott Hastings wants to make up new dance steps. But oh um, the, the Australian ballroom people, like the people in charge, they don't want that. How do you know it's ballroom dancing if you're making up new steps, hmm? So they're all very disapproving. Um, and the film opens and it's as if it's a documentary. The rest of the film isn't done like this, just the opening part. And it's okay. like a documentary where somebody is interviewing his mother. And, oh my and the God, people I around have him. seen this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I have and seen she's this really. like, She's like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, um, I don't know why he did it. I don't know why he did it. But him and his dance partner at this co contest... Um, and he gets danced into a corner by one of the other dancers. So he he uses his made up secret moves <laughs> to get out, <laughs> and he loses. And his dance partner leaves him. So he has yeah. to find this new dance partner. But there's this like ugly duckling girl uh, at the at the um you know dance school that his parents run, and she wants to dance with him even though she can't dance. So he has to teach her. He teaches her the rumba. Um, and she picks it up, and he decides he's going to dance with her. It's like, it's this whole will they, won't they thing. And yeah, the yeah. reason I compare it to High School Musical isn't because the story and the characters are anything like High School Musical. It's just they've taken a really simple, straightforward story and done something good with it. Mm -hmm. The thing is that Strictly Ballroom is actually hilariously funny. Like, I laughed out loud at certain moments. Um, and I absolutely loved the bit where they do... Because um, it ends up, like, there's the whole, will they dance together? Won't they dance together? Will they fall in love? Won't they fall in love? Um, and there's a couple of times where it looks like, oh, they're not going to dance together. Um, but then he follows her home. She leaves. Um, because I think his parents caught them dancing backstage and he was supposed to be dancing with this big name girl um and she gets upset and leaves um so he runs after and goes goes to her parents house um and it ends up with like because her parents are like spanish they end up teaching them how to dance paso doble <laughs> and they end Wait. up really good at dancing the paso doble Okay. Yeah. But she can um, she couldn't dance before. She could dance the way that her parents taught her to dance. Right. But okay. not like the traditional ballroom way that she was learning to dance in the the dance school. Okay. So it turns out she could dance like Pasadol because there's a bit right at the start where he's teaching her to dance. And she's like, Oh, I have an idea for a move and she does this weird um footstep with stamps. Like mm -hmm. dun dun dun. And he's like, where'd you learn that? And she's like, oh, I just made it up. But it turns out it's from the Paso Doble that she's oh. been dancing at home. Um, so the Pan Pacific's come around and the guy who's in charge who like hates this idea of new moves. Um, but it turns out that like this guy's just jealous. So he, oh. he lies to Scott Hastings and says that, you know, your dad used to be a dancer. He's like, my dad never used to be a dancer. No, your dad used to be a dancer. And he lost the Pan Pacifics because he decided to do his own moves. But it's a lie. And it turns out that his dad didn't even dance in the Pan Pacifics because <laughs> the same guy was his rival. <laughs> and he convinced his mom not to dance with his dad because they would lose because of his fancy moves. But he's just jealous because he knew that his dad would win. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but he ends up in charge of the thing in the later life. And so he, he convinces Scott Hastings not to dance with Fran, who's the, the, the girl, Francesca, the Spanish girl. Um, and <laughs> I don't want to spoil how it ends, but there's a whole climax um, with the will he dance with Fran, won't he dance with Fran. Um, Is the climax one of them dies. No. Okay. I just wanted to make sure he didn't just, like, make I would say three movies that of the No, <laughs> Strictly Ballroom does not end with a death.
strictly ballroom is the sore thumb almost it sticks mm-hmm. out from the other two it isn't it is like them in the sense that you it doesn't have the same punchy editing it has some elements of it and some elements of the symbolism that, that we've discussed but it doesn't I think because it's like Baz Luhrmann's earliest entry into the the mainstream movie scene, um, you get a hint of what he wants to do, but it's not like the other two. Do you think, like, um, Strictly Ballroom's, like, slightly more conventional because Baz Luhrmann is, like, less known at this point, or...? Yeah, um, I would say so. Yeah, so <laughs> definitely. It's... He also doesn't have the budget to do the crazy stuff that he does in the other two films, editing. Oh yeah, I because mean, a lot of that stuff's crazy expensive. A lot of that's like, let's just throw money at this. Yeah, especially you know? like you know, two thousand and one when Moulin Rouge came out. Some of the like the editing techniques there at that Haunting. time is, but yeah, madness. I just feel like. I actually really loved Strictly Ballroom. When it started, I was like, I don't know about this. This seems a bit... Because it's it, It's not that it feels cheap. It's just that you can tell that it doesn't have the budget yeah, that yeah. the other two do. It's a bit like when you watch High School Musical 3 and you suddenly realise that High School Musical 3 had a huge budget in comparison to the other <laughs> two. <laughs> uh We need to do an episode on High School Musical at some point because I have a lot to say about those films. Actually, um, yeah, we probably do. Not this season, though, unfortunately. Gav. Nope. Sorry. Nope. Um, speaking of unfortunate and... um, Well, actually, before we get into that... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, if you were to rate um, each of the three films out of ten, mm. what would you rate them? And then, like, just a brief reason okay. why. So... Strictly Borum gets a seven because it's thoroughly enjoyable. Um, it isn't really the kind of film that I would normally go for. I say that, but I love High School Musical and I keep comparing it to that even though really it's not really like that. It's just, I think, as I said, it did a really good job telling a simple story. Um, the themes are there. The themes are so strong. It's don't be afraid to be yourself. Don't be afraid to go against the grain. Um do what you love um and and it's really heartwarming it's also hilariously funny um it's just not as well executed i think as the other two films and i think if he'd had like a huge budget to make strictly ballroom it would have been a totally different film Uh and in in some ways that would have been good uh but i think in a lot of ways that would be bad because there's a certain charm to it like it's a charming film um and it made me feel good so yeah seven Cool. Romeo and Juliet gets a 9 out of 10 because it is right up my street. That's exactly the sort of thing that I like. Um, I'm a theatre kid, so it's theatre. It's, it's punchy. It's sad. It makes you cry. The acting's incredible. Such wonderful performances. Um, and I would give Moulin Rouge like a 7 again. Mm-hmm. Not because I think it's bad. I just think that it's one of those films that I stick on a lot in the background, but I don't really think it does anything groundbreaking. And the performances are great. It makes me cry every single time I watch it. But I don't... I don't know. I think if it didn't have the musical score that it does, it wouldn't stand up, if that makes sense. I think a lot of it is down to the music. I think, yeah, you're 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 probably right, but I I also think like it can't it can't stand on any one of its aspects. Like that's true. Um, yeah. Like if you just listen to the soundtrack like by itself, it's kind of just all it is is just like strange bastardizations of songs. Um, yeah. <clears throat> which I which will is say good. though. Oh, yeah, David Bowie's version of Nat King Cole's um, Nature Boy. Oh, mm. perfection. Mm. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, um, but uh, yeah, and like the, the performances are really good. Um, 
but like you I, know, I just think like as I good. said before, the the Duke, for example, like I think that Christine and uh, not Christine, Christian and Satine, obviously you're rooting for them, but you don't really know that much about them, if that makes sense. Like I think a lot of the characters are kind of one note. And I'm not saying that they did a bad job of performing. I think that the emotion is there and they do bring depth to the roles. I just think there isn't a lot in it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's... Um... Like, there's a shallowness to it, but it doesn't mean it's a bad film. I just don't think it's, you know, one of the all-time great movies of all time. Yeah. Um, and it's I good. Think, I think I it like is it. just... It, it is one of those movies where everything holds everything up yeah yeah yeah. so it's it's you know the the performance holds the cinematography which holds the music which holds the performance which holds it's it's just this little marriage of of lots of things that make it Mm. like good and like loads of people love i mean i love it i think it's a really good film i love it i Um, do i just don't i just wouldn't put it up there with my favorite musicals ever yeah um so yeah um Speaking of rating things, mm. um, I'm not going to ask you to rate uh, Corsair Red Absinthe. Um, I will not. So I will do it for you. Uh, I'm, for it. I don't even know where to rate this. <laughs> it's either it's either a nine or a three. <laughs> I'm unsure. <laughs> <laughs> Let me explain. <laughs> First of all, obviously, I've I've made it clear it tastes like mouthwash. Or no, it doesn't. It feels like mouthwash. It makes my mouth feel the same way that mouthwash does, which I guess is maybe alcohol related. And then it lingers in your mouth, and it just kind of like, you know, when you eat a teaspoon of like olive oil, it's like that. Yeah, you're like that. Okay. And then, like, I finished it. But um, and and mentally, I feel very incapable. <laughs> but I don't okay. feel like I've actually drank anything. Okay, okay. You know, I'm you interested know, to try it. Now. It's it's just it's bizarre. I don't know if it's the also is, a combination had... of being tired as well. But well, that's true. It's just it's. I've odd. had absinthe before, like I've had green absinthe, and I've had uh, like a black absinthe. I think like the black one I had tasted really licorice-y. I don't know. Maybe if this it's one's... licorice that I'm tasting instead of mouthwash. Mm, maybe. I'm unsure because I know that I know that absinthe's kind of aniseedy. Yeah. Um. This isn't but... super aniseedy. Um. Which I, which is a bonus. I'm not a huge fan of aniseed. Um, really, I love aniseed. I love sambuca. It's like oh, uh, see, so it good. just. I see, think... I feel like I'll maybe enjoy this then. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's um it's odd. It doesn't taste like super strong either. It doesn't like burn the back. Even though I think I said at the start, it like burns. It doesn't burn, burn. It just sort of like evaporates and it doesn't give you that sort of. I've just taken a yeah, shot yeah, of yeah, something. Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting. Uh, I would and wouldn't recommend it. That's um, <laughs> odd. I think it actually, that description, it kind of goes with some of the Baz Luhrmann films because as much as I'm going on about how much I love them and I think that particularly Romeo and Juliet's great, I could also see how that style of editing isn't for everyone. Yeah. And I do kind of see maybe there is a Marmite element to it. So you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. And maybe Corsair Red Absinthe is like Marmite. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> oh, that's, that's how we're ending the episode. That's it. <laughs> maybe it's like Marmite. <laughs> Just like this so, podcast. Um, um, next week, next week, we are drinking jasmine tea. No, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> what are we drinking? We're do- well. We're talking about. No, no. I'm getting way ahead of myself. <laughs> See, what was it I said about being ninety percent nonsense? 
Oh dear. Yeah. Let me let me open Total the schedule. Nonsense. Hold on. Um, We're not even gonna edit this. No, this is staying as it is. Uh, I think I think I said last week I don't edit these. We are drinking. No, no, that's next. Like san oh, sangria, sangria white sangria. grape sangria. sangria. Sangaria. Yeah, sangria is something completely different. Sangaria white grape drink. Yes, which that's a very we got from the Japan you can buy it. Yep, from the Japan Center. So if you want to drink along with us, please do go visit the Japan Center and buy yourself a can of Sangaria white grape drink. And we are discussing the building of PCs. Yeah, it's computers. Computer. Yes. Computer. Um, and you get to hear us, you know, being huge fans of our own PCs that we love so much because we built them. They're our babies. They are our babies. There'll be pictures and everything. Yep. We have a, a special guest. Um, I actually got to see Stephen's computer. Um, oh, yeah. And it was beautiful. Ah, too too many <laughs> lights. Too many lights for me. Yeah. Um, nah, nah, you'll, have... hear about it. you'll hear about it next week. But, uh, oh, it was a treat. Oh, exciting. And you should be excited too for listening to it next week. Have fun. Sleep well. Watch a Baz Luhrmann movie. Or two. Yeah, or go, three. go and watch it. Romeo and Juliet. It's the best one. Watch Romeo and Juliet. There you go. Have a wonderful day, night, and afternoon. Kabloof! Kabloof!